welcome to Inside the Artist. My name is Rachel Corman. Welcome to the show. My guest today is recording engineer Matt Dyson. Matt is a lovely guy. He is a big time engineer here in Los Angeles. He works at the Village Studios where a lot of artists have recorded for years. It's a very historic place. Most famously, he records for Kesha. He also worked on an album with Harry Styles. He tells stories from both of those experiences, so you are in for a real treat. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Matt. Oh, hey. Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. You too. Oh, my gosh. You sound so professional. I mean, come on. What would you expect? I know. Nothing less Uh, than this. (laughs) My year has been doing this sort of stuff for everyone. I'm sure. I'm sure. I know. And now you just get to talk to me. You don't have to really press any buttons or do anything I else. No, it's so fun. It's good to see you. How have you been? We've been good. Good. We have a another baby girl on the way. Well, that's great news. Congratulations. I know. Thank you. Are you in the village right now or are you home? I'm home. Okay. I can't tell. It's so professional behind you. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's been doing a lot of like homework this year as well. It was kind of good early on. Yeah. Did you already have an at-home studio set up? Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't that much of a change. The change for you, it sounds like, was more how do you work with other people from home? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you for coming. Oh, my God. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. But I guess I want to start with like how you got into engineering and how you got into recording. I mean, did you grow up being a musician or how did you get into this profession? I mean, it's pretty much like every other guy who who is an engineer. I feel like I had a band young. We were we wanted to be sublime and we smoked a lot of weed and um, we all like plugged microphones into guitar amps and that all sounds terrible. So I was the guy who was like, all right, we need, what do you do for this? So I figured out you need a PA system and then bought some mics, you know, we were in a basement and plugged into a PA system and you're like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. And then my father was the one who started to notice like my interest in all that. And he's like, this kid doesn't care about school or anything, but he's like really into this sort of stuff. So he was the one who kind of pushed me into doing all this because I was like, yeah, but you can't do that for real. And he's like, no, actually, you can. Like, If you're interested, you can do that for real. So he bought me a little four-track cassette deck, which I still have. And that was it. I plugged my PA mixer. I realized, like, you just kind of figure it out as you go along. It's like pre-YouTube tutorial life, you know, where I was like, wait, this... PA mixer has little RCA outputs and this four track cassette deck has RCA inputs. I was like, wait a minute, I can just hook those two up. So I started to get like congas and a little synth and a bass. And I was just like in my bedroom recording onto this thing. And it came time for college and I was looking at some like really crappy state schools in Connecticut and they had a recording program and I was like, whoa, 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 you can like, go to school for this? I didn't realize that. Because you were just doing it for fun. I was just doing it for fun. It was just me in my bedroom and my buddy's band and stuff. So you started recording your band's music then yourself? Yeah, we did. We made a lot of, we were called Pressure Drop. 
and uh, you know we had our groupies. Pressure drop night. Oh, yeah, you had groupies. Hit, oh, excuse our, me. Yeah, our hit song Troopers. I was the lead singer because I was the only one who could play my instrument and sing at the same time. So by default, I was kind of our singer, but I can't really sing. Can you play um, guitar then? Was that your instrument? Yeah, I play guitar a bit. I play piano a little bit. I like can kind of fill in things when needed. I'm not, I realized very quickly, I'm not like a virtuoso on any instrument, but I at least know music and know theory and know all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I went, I went to Berkeley college music. I did four years there, wow. graduated. So like you have to have, you, you learn all the theory and everything there. So you're just as much of a musician, which kind of benefits me now because it's not just the technical. It's like, you You're understand why why things are being written a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so much of music production is the arrangement of everything. You know, there's only so much you can do. So like having that knowledge of how it all works together is extremely beneficial. And you're sitting in a film scoring session. Someone puts a big chart in front of you and they're like, follow along. You know, there are a lot of engineers out there who are just like, I don't read that. But now having all this background, you know, I can follow along. I can't play everything. I'm not going to be able to like sight read it back, but I at least know what it all means. It's screen, an advantage so. you have against other engineers, you know, let's say. Yeah, it helps. It, it helps, helps a lot. I'm sure. For sure. So this yeah. was just a passion of yours in high school and mm -hmm. you went to school for it. Is your dad in the industry? Is that why he told you, you know, you could do this professionally? Nope. He's no. worked in insurance for like 30 years in Hartford, Connecticut. So I think that was why he kind of pushed me because he's like, you know, life short, do, do what you love type of thing. I That's mean, great. I was either going to be a ship captain because I liked boats <laughs> or I was going to be in music. And I guess I found out to be a ship captain. You don't get to listen to music for like the first two or three years of school. You don't have a radio. Uh -huh. So I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me... So I, I went into music. What happened after that? Did you move to L.A. Went, straight after? No, I went from Boston down to New York because, you know, my family was still in Connecticut. So New York was an easy move down there. And nobody was out in L.A. yet. You know, my sister now lives out here and I live out here. But I went down to New York. and um, Was there a big industry in New York at the time? Not really. It was the early 2000s. And the industry was kind of going away. It was like studios were shutting their doors. I worked for some, my buddy hooked me up with a job at some like random producer's spot who was, this guy was obsessed with Prince. So everything was purple. The mics were purple. The console was purple. The speakers were purple. We worked like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. By um, the way, you're speaking to a Minnesotan here. So I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do too. So yeah, like, it was right. fine. That's awesome. Um, the guy's name was Seven Aurelius. He had like a big seven tattooed on his cheek. He, he had was seven hardcore prince. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He was, his birth name was Marcus Aurelius and he changed it to Seven Aurelius. He now goes by Channel Seven. Anyways, interesting guy. But <laughs> I didn't spend too long in New York. Like I quickly, ran out of money they were these guys weren't paying me the city was crazy uh you know i was too young for it all like i was just not i was not ready for all of it to make it work you know 
I tried, but like, it was just New York's tough and I didn't want to be there. It was kind of by default. People were like, you either go to New York or LA mm -hmm. to do this. And I ended up in New York just by default. And I was like, I don't like this city, to be honest. Like, I'm not ready for this. What gave no. you the courage to move to LA then? You said your sister lived here? Yeah, she moved out here. She got married to a guy in Boston who was from here. So they bought a house in Hollywood Hills together. They were starting to have kids. I was coming to visit my nieces and my sister. And I was like, this LA place is pretty nice. They're like, you know, we have a room. We have a bedroom if you ever wanted to come here. I finally got my shit together and drove with me and my two dogs, packed up a U-Haul, drove out from Boston, cross country, just just us. Wow. And landed in LA. Literally, I met this woman on the street in front of her house who was walking a big Rottweiler and a little brown dog up the, up the hill. And I was like, oh, I want to say hi to these dogs. They look really cool. And we started The dogs chatting. or the girl? The dogs. Uh-huh. The girl, she was like, she's much older than me. She was probably in her late 40s at the time. Okay, okay. okay you okay. know, it wasn't that I thought the story she was, was going that way. <laughs> no, she was a beautiful, like, British blonde woman. So, like, yes, beautiful, gorgeous, but I, my, that was my interest. Okay, sorry, um, continue. <laughs> <laughs> it really was about the dogs. Okay. I know. So I wanted to say hi to them. We start chatting about stuff. And I was like, I don't know, I might look at recording studios again. You know, I know L.A. still has some. She's like, my friend owns a recording studio. You should come meet him. And she's like, I'm having a party this weekend. Come meet him. And that was it. I literally went down there. I, like, met Jeff Greenberg, who owns The Village. That's the studio I've been at for years now. And that one little meeting with her was like what got me wow. started in L.A. I know. Well, that was, I think, your intuition seeing these dogs. Something within you was like, I need to say hi to these dogs. That's what I mean. I mean, maybe it wasn't the girl, but maybe there was something else beneath that. Totally. It was like a message to you that you had to say hi to this woman because now, like you say, now your career there has been, I mean, that's where you've been settled for so many years. Yeah, I'm not too like spiritual crunchy, mm -hmm. but I do feel, I, I can understand that side of it. And I really do feel like there's some reason behind all of this stuff. I mean, yeah, it can't all be coincidence and chance, you know? I mean, there's a lot of luck and there is a lot of chance in life and, but there's some, some reason it always like meant to work out this way. That's exactly right. It's meant to work out. How long have you been at the village for? It's like seven or eight years now. I mean, we all start at the bottom no matter how good of an engineer and how professional you are or, you know, experience wise, the only people we hire in are just come in as studio runners. It's like the very old school recording studio setup, you know, which I think is great. So were you like that. a runner? Like what were some of your duties when you first started there? Runner. I mean, Jeff pitched it to me when I met him at the party. He's like, listen, you can come be a runner at the studio. He's like, the pay sucks. The hours suck. The work sucks. But it gets really good if you hang on. It's the type of thing that I had a little bit of like, I'd learned through having a couple of years to my 20s now, humility and how to just shut up and kind of do what people asked. And mm -hmm. don't do let your ego cheer. get in the way. Yeah, that's a really hard one for a lot of us. You know, we feel like, well, I went to college for this. You know, I worked in recording in New York. Like, why? Why am I here now mm -hmm. getting your coffee? And a and lot of people can't 
get out of their way with that. So I feel like I had the benefit of a little bit of time through my 20s to like learn that. And I think that's also what's made you a successful engineer and artists want to keep working with you is because you are so grounded and you are so humble and it just makes it easier to work with somebody like that. I mean, you learn after doing this for a while that that is the most important part of it all. Like the main artists I work with now who I love her dearly is Kesha. And mm -hmm. the only reason I work with her is not because I'm a great engineer by any means. Like I know that she, she knows that I think, or she just knows like you can get the job done. I don't care about that. Like you make me sound good. But the number one reason we work together is because she feels comfortable around me mm -hmm. and people underestimate how important that is because artists are like tricky people. You know, there's moods and there's feelings and emotions and all that sort of stuff. And like, as an engineer, we're meant to be technical. Like our job is literally learn the ins and outs of everything. What do you plug in to make it work? All that sort of stuff. The artist has, doesn't really worry about that. They're stuff. there That's just to do us. their job. Yeah. So the more I can push that out of the way and just let them do their thing, the like that's when I feel like I'm doing a good job with them. The technical is easy. You can go on YouTube, watch tutorials, <laughs> yeah, and figure, you know, figure out how to do everything now. But when you're in a room with these people, and you have to do all that, but also be like chipper and upbeat and communicating while worrying about all that stuff like that's really the hard part you mentioned kesha how did that relationship yeah. form were you in on one of her sessions early on and that's how you guys formed a relationship she was coming to the village two albums ago to do stuff and i think she just you know she's a west sider and fell in love with the studio or in the west side and she just felt very comfortable there and like i think we took her in you know because she notoriously has all her like contract issues with their former producer and all that stuff and i don't even think she was supposed to be recording but we're a private studio like we had no stake in it all so we we're like yeah of course you can come record here yeah i think she just again felt very comfortable and safe at the studio it's a very not it, it's like a good vibe at the village there's very cool rooms there too yeah there's a lot of history the old masonic temple yeah it just it, yeah, there's definitely a feeling there. All the greats have recorded out of there, and you feel that vibe. It's really cool. Yeah, there's all the energy in there that it can't just go away. You know, they've been making records there for decades. Like, that can't all just disappear, all the creativity that's happened out of there. So, yeah, she was coming in to work on that. And, you know, the thing for me is, like, sometimes they just get, they just end up with us. Like, these artists, you know, we're there. We know the rooms. We know the gear. We know all this stuff. And then we happen, they don't bring us in. So it's it's easy to get put on the session, but it's hard to get asked back for it because if they don't like you, they can easily be like, you know, who's next? Right. Or they can be like, hey, can we have Matt again? Like, can Matt, is Matt free? Can he come record? It sounds like what we did that's, on uh, Kidding. We are always asking for Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what feels good is because it's so much easier to come back with people you already know. And you can't first date every time that's draining. And that's what it feels like with people is because you have to be up and looking good and feeling good and like be social and interact and do all that. But when you know the person again, like now 
it's like, oh, hi, Kesha, you know? So yeah, she just started to ask for me. And then it came time, she was working on her most recent record, High Road. And, you know, it was just, I was on, it wasn't even a question anymore. I was just became her guy for every session she's done there. And then, you know, we've done a bunch this year during when people aren't really recording as much she's been doing a ton of live performance things been going to her house and we've been going to different studios and so they're still working um, during covid yeah we've been doing some work you know different like a fallon performance we did a david lynch foundation thing we did a, a ted talk um woman's performance and you know just a bunch of different live performance things because you guys built such a trusting relationship has she ever asked for your creative opinion on some of her songs or are you still just strictly engineering you know she's a rare one where pretty early on i remember we did a song called resentment on her album and it was me her and sturgill simpson and it's just in the studio and all she had was an acoustic guitar track and a scratch like vocal on it and we recorded with Sturgill I don't think he really knew he was actually going to be laying down vocals for the song but we kind of got him behind the mic and he did put stuff down and I remember she called me the next day and this is pretty early on in our you know this album working and she's like okay so what do you think about this can we put him in here and you do this and I was like wait normally people don't ask for that they're just kind of like make me sound good and then we'll worry about creative stuff so she very early on like brought me into that and cares a lot she's like what do you think you know what do you think about this and so I mean that's that's amazing were you producing for her in a way or no i mean there's i would never get the producer title by any means because producers handle the music primarily but then it's kind of blurred the lines of like vocal producer because i i worry about her vocals the most you know so yeah i mean i've definitely done vocal production for her on things but you know in especially in pop world there's the producer who makes the tracks in the song and then there's the songwriters who worry about you know either chords or the top line melody. And then there's the engineers who either mix it or just record it or whatever. And you know, those roles pretty, they get blurry, but also on paper, they stay set up. So yes and no. I mean, I end up producing. She's more getting your, your, your feedback, it sounds like. Yeah, and that that is a, it, it, it tends to be tough. You end up producing by default as an engineer because a lot of times you are the only person there with the artist. So while there is a producer on the song, a lot of times they're not even around. So you have to say something. If the person's singing or performing, I can't just stay silent while they're doing stuff. You have to give something back to them. I feel like maybe part of your job is you have to kind of be a therapist, too. You kind of have to feel, Very okay, much. what am I going to say that's going to make them feel, like you said earlier, comfortable, but also keep them, you know, at ease while they're recording? Yeah, it very much is that's, I mean, probably the most important thing of it all is if they're incredibly nervous or mad about something or the mic's not working right or it sounds weird like they're not a good place to perform and then during it yeah i mean you can spend a good chunk of time just having a conversation like say for a writing session the first two hours of that writing session can just be talking about relationships or what's going on in the world or anything like that and those turn into songs then after that fact so i mean the conversation part of it is in 
I definitely feel like a therapist. <laughs> is engineering something that you want to continue or do you want to produce one day? Do you want to write songs one day? I'm totally along for the ride anyway. I love what I do. I love, I know I have, you know, there's still a lot of learning to be done um, because there's so many different areas of it. Like film scoring is a whole separate ball game, you know, in terms of what you do in that world versus what you do on a rock record versus what you do on a pop record. And then there's, you know, the mixing of it, which I do love to do. But on the on the big stuff, you know, you normally ship it off to somebody with a name and, and they mix it. Um, but, you know, when given the opportunity, mixing is so fun to do. Um, so, I mean, I'm very happy engineering for a while. And I have produced a bunch of things just, again, by default, because there's nobody else to mm -hmm. do it. So you're like, I have the ability. I, I have all the things. I have the knowledge. Um, yeah, sure, I'll. I'll produce for you. So I'm not, I feel like everybody secretly wants to be the producer and the artist. Nobody actually really wants to be the engineer, but I'm very happy in that, in that role for a while. So who like knows I, down the road. Yeah. But like I say, as an engineer, you do shine in that role just because you do bring elements that I would assume not all engineers bring, like we said earlier, you know, so maybe well, it you. sounds yeah. like you're doing pretty well where you're at. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm fine for a while here, but you know, there's always it's like any job you do, you, you always want to keep learning and you always want once once it's just come in, do the job and leave and go home and not think about it, then that's pretty boring, you know. Yeah. It's one of the things that as long as there's still I still feel a little challenged by it, then I'm very happy in the job, so. Tell me about your experience working with Harry Styles. Harry Styles is one of my favorites ever. Um, I don't know how that, how that boy became so well-mannered and nice. And I mean, he's young, hot, successful, wealthy, and he has the best manners and best attitude out of probably anybody I've worked with, which I don't know how that works out, but yeah, he was another one. He, um, I remember the studio manager, Tina, asked me, she's like, I've got like a two-month project with Harry Styles coming up. Do you want Do you want it? And I was like, oh, One Direction. I think I'd worked with one or two of the other One Direction guys before. Oh, yeah. They're sweet guys, but like it's just a little more, let's say, bro-y, I guess, which, you know, I've come to learn recently having a wife and a daughter and another daughter on the way and all these female artists I work with that like I have very feminine energy, I guess, or can relate with it easily. And maybe these guys were a little too bro for me. So I can't, I, I wasn't that excited about two months with another One Directioner. <laughs> I remember I was going to be, yeah, the guy for that session. And then they start loading in just vintage drums and guitar amps and all these things. We had a whole weekend to set up the studio. You know, it was this engineer, Ryan, and a couple of young, like, cool producer guys coming in. And, and I was like, what type of session? You're this? like, what's this about to happen? Normally. Yeah, it was like normally, you know, in the more pop world, you have a laptop and maybe a couple things, a piano or something to fill in. But, like, we were really setting up the studio for proper record like old school style and i was like 
this is okay this is fine this is gonna be cool and then we started on it and it was just the best thing to come in and work on every day because every guy it felt like i was back in high school with my friends making an album i honestly did it was like the ego was completely left outside of the studio there was none of that everybody came in and you know knew how to work hard but also nobody took themselves too seriously it was you know harry we were saying he's like i just want something that in 10 or 20 years i'm happy to listen to and feel good about so that was on his first solo record and it was one of the most positive like fun album experiences i've had there that's so cool and it's a great yeah. record too it's a really it good is a record. great record and i remember making it the whole time everybody's going like i don't know what people are going to think of this this is his There's first no solo way. record right this is yeah, his first one yeah. coming out of one direction so it's like no yeah. one knows what to expect right exactly and he was doing dunkirk also and i was like oh this this is really cool harry's very much like showing who he is on this and you know he loved all the classic rock stuff and it, that was very much what what came out from that record and didn't harry surprise you with something he did he got everybody gifts at the end of the record which was super cool and nice and again being like a guy who is kind of just assigned to him but then a lot of these guys had been in jamaica prior to it we're doing a lot of writing some basic tracking there so they already came in as a unit hence they cut to the village and then all of a sudden i'm there as a new addition and that's like a very hard thing to get into and i don't I didn't try or, or anything a lot of them told me at the end of the record or harry and he's like we couldn't have had anybody better for it because he's like we understood you know like i, I had learned how to what my spot was in the situation put it that way i had i knew these guys were tight i'm not going to try to be best friends with all of them that's not what i'm there for that's not what i really cared about but it was like i had a lot of respect for the situation yeah it was just i don't know he got he got us all gifts at the end and it was very sweet of him to get me one as well it was like this kind of one-off it's my dog oh yeah it's like a kind of one-off neil young photograph print and framed and it was incredibly sweet very thoughtful it was yeah. would you work with him again oh yeah of course has anything, anything come up since i mean i know he's he did the second record with, with a lot of guys they were trying to come to the village but we were booked which is crazy um we had to say no to a lot of people that we loved that uh, sucks yeah but it also shows how successful the village is and how busy you guys are yeah i know that i mean it's a good problem to have and especially in this day and age where studios are still struggling and the village to turn away some of our favorite clients is yeah it's a, it's a good sign so tell me about what your experience has been like during COVID. I mean, I know the music industry is changing a lot. Artists are having to record at home. So what yeah. kind of changes have you experienced? How do you think that this situation is going to change the music industry going forward? I mean, it's like it's changed the world where we all realize we don't all have to be face to face all the time to do the things. So as far as sessions go, it's kind of been nice for some of them to have fewer people around in the room because each body that's in on a session in the studio changes the dynamic of everything. So it's kind of been nice in that regard that we've, we've all learned we can be a little bit more uh, 
you know, connected, but not in face to face. I've helped a lot of people get set up with stuff at home. I feel like I'm constantly giving advice on what to get, what to buy, how to use it. You know, that was one very early on that everybody realized, oh, crap, I need something. Mm -hmm. And then we started at the village, you know, this virtual village thing where we could go in remotely, control somebody's setup. And so all they needed to do was worry about having the gear and the mic and then give us access and we could literally run the session from from home or from anywhere. It's added a whole new level of technology that's come into it that everybody's had to learn and get comfortable with. What about um, home studios? Because a lot of artists that I've been interviewing are now setting up their own studio at home. I guess yeah. my question is, can you get the same sort of quality? Can you can you record from home? Absolutely. Yeah. You can quality wise. I mean, the benefit of a big studio is, yes, we have vintage $20,000 microphones into a vintage, you know, Neve console in a like room that's much done. more expensive equipment for sure. Much more expensive. I mean, sometimes these chains of vocals that we go through are you add it up and you're like, well, wow, that's about $60,000 there um, to record your voice. But that benefit, it's like, it, that's what brings it the extra five to 10%. So, I mean, and it's like with anything, you know, you can make a great car and get it 90% of the way, but to get it to be a Ferrari or Lamborghini is like, it's that extra 10% where it does the same job a Toyota will do. It's just like, but to get it that much further ahead is where the real um, challenge comes in. So yeah, you can do amazing stuff at home. Like I'm all for remote. And especially if I was a vocalist, sometimes if I had the like wherewithal to know how to record myself, there's nothing more comfortable than being at home in your house doing your thing. Yeah. So wherever you're comfortable is honestly so much more important than, you know, the $20,000 microphone. Like, sure, it sounds amazing. And, but also, something can happen when you're there in a room that you know Harry Styles was in, you know, the month before, probably singing on the same microphone. He breathed on that mic. You want to go into the room where Harry Styles yeah. was, and, you know? Or even or Stevie Nicks. Exactly. You're in a studio where you're walking down the hall and you kind of hear somebody else is there making music. And something happens with that that's you can't get at home. It's a little more isolating. So it, it might like elevate you a little bit to be at a studio like that. But the gear is not the part that really sets it apart. It's I the mean, experience, granted, huh? Yeah, it's so much of that and so much of that headspace that really changes. But yeah, we're at a, we're at a place with gear that you can do amazing things at home. I think Billie Eilish's record everybody freaked out and you're like she just did this at home and you're like yeah of course you don't need very much these days do you think you'll ever be hired to kind of go to people's homes after covid to engineer for them then or are you going to be like no you gotta you gotta come in no that's already happened in, in covid that's great you know it's great to know there's still people wanting you to work but now we have the whole challenge of worrying about what type of space we're in and you know how good are you going to be about COVID measures and yeah, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, there's all those things now for sure. I mean, 
I can work at a studio now where we have UV lighting and all the air conditioning. If you're not wearing your mask and you're not singing, like we will tell you to leave. You have to put so, those protocols into place. I mean, you have to. Yeah, or separate rooms. I'm not in somebody's, you know, guest house or or whatever where we're in a tight space. You know, now I can be like, okay, you're the singer. Go out into the live room. If you want to come to the control room, you have to wear a mask. It's not going to so, be yeah. like when uh, we recorded Dick Van Dyke, which I was going to bring up this personal story of ours. We uh, right. we should tell people we worked on a, a TV show together and we yeah. drove out to Malibu and recorded Dick Van Dyke, which was just surreal. Yeah, it was so amazing. It was amazing. But there were so many people in this in this recording studio. And it just makes I me know. think with COVID now, like there is no way that would happen now or no. anymore. Who knows? No, I know. Yeah. What has that been I, like that, for you to like work on TV shows? Because I know you record, you know, ADR. Yeah. And it's funny. There's been a lot more of that this year. ADR is a whole different beast. Like I know how to record a person behind a microphone, but there's a whole different workflow that goes into what film and TV, you know, does in that regard. And it's cool. It's fun to learn. I mean, I still prefer music, but that's why I loved kidding so much was because we, you know, wasn't really doing the ADR work. It was just get the singers in there. And everybody who worked on that was super cool too. I mean, Alan was like the sweetest guy. I still talk to him constantly about, recording things and oh nice um, yeah we still keep in touch often about yeah so what is your favorite part of your job i'd say meeting all the people i do is hands down the best part of it because everybody's fascinating everybody i get to meet is super creative and for better or for worse some are you know that's also a part that drains me the most is like i i, I like to be i need time to recharge I love meeting people. I love doing it, but my battery meter just goes down the longer I'm with them all. And, um, you know, not like my wife who gets around people and gets crazy energy when she, uh, you know, gets to be around her friends and boosts her up. But um, I do love that. I've met some of like the coolest people over, over the years of doing all this, that that's the only thing that changes. I mean, whoever you put in front of the microphone is, is what's, gonna make or break the session you know the rest of it's all i always joke i'm like i'm a piece of furniture here at the studio you know oh. the, only thing, the only thing that changes is like who comes through you are a the piece of very fine furniture oh, you are you. not a piece of furniture <laughs> matt <laughs> well thank you the people who get into what we do you know are very fascinating people and being on the technical side of it too is like i need those i i need to hear somebody talk about purple snowflakes and you know butterflies and whatever and it's like okay i understand what you're saying i love having that ability but also like being like okay so that means this let me turn it into that in reality what you're probably saying is this and in real life terms but um i don't know so it's the people and it's different it's the people and it's different every day i've done jobs where it's day in and day out the same thing come and do your thing wait for lunch go home and um wait for the end of the day wait for the weekend and you know I've, i know what that's like and here it's like every day i have no idea what i'm going to be getting into and that's what keeps it so interesting I, I now don't have to worry about 
what it would be like to have a good 401k and you know benefits and all that it's like i know what that life is like and yeah it's great there's a lot of pros and cons to it all but i also know i prefer always having a little bit of question mark of like the ceiling is a lot higher where we're at here where it's like you know you get to live out your dream that's to me more exciting and more fulfilling yeah that's a blast i know so my my last question is as we're wrapping up 2020 what a year it's been what are your goals for 2021 goal same goals every year keep getting better at what i do keep working on greater and better stuff you know finding the balance i now have a family and it's really hard to find any time any free time for anything you know you're just constantly feeling like even in a year when the world has slowed down it still is very hard i feel like i'm constantly running from this thing to the next thing to that thing and even if those are little things like i gotta walk the dog i gotta take the kid for a walk i gotta change your diaper i gotta do the dishes i have to like even little things like that around home you're very much just next to next next and then i've got all this stuff at home that I want to work on and play with. And I love to have time for the extra stuff that I don't, that's not a priority. You know, there's, there's that list that, you know, maybe exploring a new thing, a new piece of gear or something always ends up being way down on the list. But next year I want to, you know, it's always trying to find that balance of like, how can I be a good dad, good husband, good person at home but also keep like pushing what i do i love that no those are wonderful goals balance i think that's uh that's an important one how important it is to take care of our minds this year yes i would agree very important self-care i mean i don't have a family of my own but i imagine that's taking care of yourself plus your daughter you know being there for your wife it's yeah it's a lot yeah by the way i wanted to show you what i'm drinking out of yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite mugs. That's I awesome. love it. It's, it's the village mug, mug recording music, recording history. And you are recording history, mm-hmm. my friend. Yeah, I love it. Thank so you fun. so much for coming on. This was wonderful. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon and congrats on the baby. Oh, thank you. I know. So thank you. Awesome. Okay, we'll stay in touch, all right? And we'll talk soon. I will you too. All right, thanks. All right, bye, Rachel. I really hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Matt Dyson. Yeah, it's really interesting to learn about how recording is changing these days with COVID and how people are adapting. And I think Matt had some really great insight and I hope you got a lot out of it as well. I'm going to leave you with Kesha's song Resentment, which Matt talked about during our conversation that he helped record. So I hope you enjoy the song. Thanks so much for listening to Inside the Artist. Isn't that just the thing about us? I'm still thinking you could be the one But you're always, you're always, you're always taking me for granted I got something I gotta get off of my chest I've been staying up while sleeping in my bed I don't hate you, babe It's worse than that Cause you hurt me I've been